Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows, a disruption of the educational status quo, hosted by Aaron Barnes. And now, Aaron Barnes. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, a podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. I am Erin Barnes. Thank you so much for joining us. And today I have a very special guest. I'm actually pretty stoked about this one uh, because you're our first um, active legislator on the um, on the show. So we've had past legislators that have kind of talked through the process before, uh, but you're there. You're in the in the the business of writing laws and making laws. Jacob Rosecrans, welcome to the show. Um, Tell the world just a little bit about you, first of all. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, Aaron. Um, we've known each other for quite a while now. Um, a little bit about me. So I am a lifelong Oklahoman. I mean, I've lived in other places, but I was born and raised here in Oklahoma. And um, it's it's been, a, it's been quite a journey. I am the father of two children. Uh, they go to Norman Public Schools. Um, I... Gosh, let me think. I gotta kind of go back here a little bit. I, I'm actually a product of public schools and private schools. I went to a private Catholic school until eighth grade, with like a little break there where I went to Eisenhower as well. It's a long story. We can get into it, but um, I think because of some of the the holistic ways I look at education, because of my background and the way things. Uh, the way I was raised and the way that, you know, kind of I had to move around and everything is almost like a military family. I, I ended up learning how, how important it is for education to be not just put into a little box. Um, and that's what I fight for. I mean, I know I'm this public education, uh, you know, warrior that many people see, but I want to change it for the better, for the best, uh, built on some of what I see outside of all that. And so, yeah, education is my passion. It's what made me decide to even run for office back in 2016. Um, I, I did run for office in 16. I lost. I wish people would understand just how important it is to do something and to fail as long as you learn from it. I couldn't, I wouldn't be sitting here before you as a state representative had I not lost. Um, and, uh, you know, so then I won in 2017 and then I had to run again in 2018 and then I had to run again in 2020. <laughs> Uh, so it's been, uh, this is my fifth campaign since 2016 this year, but it, it's just, it's almost become normal. It's, it is what it is. One thing I like about it is the fact that, um, I do know my constituents really, really, really well. Um, because I don't play around. I, I knock doors. I get to know what's going on. I want to do whatever I can to make myself a better representative. Absolutely. And so that's kind of just a nutshell, but there's lots of other things going on. And I've been at the Capitol, like I said, since 2017, and it feels like since 1917. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I chase squirrels. Uh, I have ADHD and I just sometimes Same. go that way. Okay, good. <laughs> this is going to be a really long, we'll break this into five episodes. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I've thought about running before, okay? So for anybody who's thought about running before, I too, my passion is education. I didn't run because on the advice of um, uh, uh, Mark McCullough, who was my previous, I mean, he's not hes not Creek County's representative now, Mr. Lawson is, but Mark McCullough and I spoke and he's like, yeah, but you kind of got to be about other things also. So how into other things must you be to be a state representative? Because you've got to care about everything for your for your county. You have got to find out what your constituents want from their representative. And the way you do that, you can put out whatever you want on social media. You can do all the other things. You can spend as much money as you want on mailers. That doesn't tell you what your constituents want or how they want to be representative the way you do that you have to go and talk to them um that's the scariest part i would say for many people uh when it comes to um running for office is that you actually have to physically like, like knock on their door and be like hi yeah i'm, I'm this guy running for <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta like just figure it all out again 
running in 2016 was it gave me the ability to just try everything <laughs> it's like it's like i didn't have a real great i didn't have any campaign team it was me versus the world yeah i actually knew i was going to lose in 2016 as well i knew it because i was running against an incumbent very popular out here in norman and uh in a district that that was uh that that was majority republican and he was a republican i'm a democrat wish party politics could be thrown out of it all but that's what the case was so um with me, it's such a such a simple thing, really. You just go and you say, hi, what are your issues? Um, I don't even like do a hard sell. I'm not like, oh, hey, can I have your vote? No, I'm like, what are your issues? And then I take that information and then I use it to, to make sure that I'm representing folks. And just so happens that in 2016, 2017, education was one, two, and three on the issue list out here in West Norman. And obviously you saw what happened. I mean, a teacher walkout happened in 2018. So yeah. it was it was pretty heavy on that. So I guess the stars aligned for me because I was very much a one issue candidate at very first. But now that you get involved, um, again, I don't even really, I'll do anything. <laughs> it's like, as long as it's for my constituents and as long as I can be there, I have a heart of a servant and I wanna help them use my title for good. Um, and that's why I tell people all the time, the experience really is the best teacher because now that I've been in there for so long, if I can't answer a question, I know somebody who can either at the Capitol or you know within agencies or whatever else. And I wish people would understand how important it is for us to, um, it takes years to build that up. I'm sure. So when you, when you, uh, you know, choose to reelect a new person, realize you're, it's going to take years until that person can really get their, their feet under their themselves. But no, I, that's what it really comes down to. Um, you probably get, were given bad advice at that particular time because education still is the number one issue on the doors right sure. now. Um, with what Ryan Walters and company are doing, I hate to just use names. Sorry, I won't do that again. It's but, okay. Um, I, I know him personally. I'm very disappointed in you, Ryan. <laughs> 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 and, and we'll tag him up, boy. make sure he gets the message. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, that just make sure your constituents, what they need and want, and then be that person for them, 100%. Okay, well, so along that line, um, again, with education being a top priority, you also had this thing sitting in the back of your head, and it was based around play. How old are your kids? So my kids now are 13 and 14. Okay. Um, one goes to Norman North, the other one goes to Alcott Middle School, but they're really close. Um, and uh, yeah, no, play play has been a big, a big just a huge, blank spot in so many people's lives that I started seeing it as an issue because I mean I'm I'm 45 in October I believe that we all were kind of raised in a different world I mean I was right. raised born and raised here in Oklahoma but and even then I can remember going out to the pond and playing with crawfish and doing some pretty well I guess these days dangerous things you know like was that a was that a water moccasin or was that a water <laughs> I don't know let's go play with it <laughs> so that was my lifestyle and then my parents got divorced and I moved to Colorado so it kicked it up a notch like then I was actually climbing mountains and jumping in the Colorado River and dodging trains I don't know the 80s obviously were were a different world but it 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 I started really understanding the lack of all of this adventurous uh the ideas even the lack of imagination and I started realizing you know what it has a lot to do with the system of education that we have right now with our public schools, which I had to find a, a nice fine line there because I'm not trying to destroy them. I want to make them better. Right. And and that's kind of without like you know, taking money away and, 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 and putting into private schools because I just don't believe that state funds should be put in for that. So I don't want to throw the baby out, out with the bathwater. I want to make our public schools kind of what they were back in the past, these neighborhood knowledge centers where it's fun to learn and fun to teach. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like It's like, I don't get it. So then you author House Bill 1569. It's signed into law, which is super cool. I mean, you know, I think a lot of times um, when we get a law, uh, I mean, and there are silly ones on the books. I wrote an entire blog post one year. Um, we weren't get, we weren't given something in education. I can't remember. But then they, the same year, they made sure that it was now legal to walk around with your cane swords and your daggers, right? And I just thought, I'm, I'm glad we're discussing cane swords and daggers at the, at the House and at the Senate, you know. Um, but you, you author this bill. It's signed into law. 
How can parents and teachers understand this play initiative that you've got going on? Yeah, it, first of all, it was a, Aaron, it was a journey and I never really thought it would be anything else. This is, I'm just gonna shoot you straight about where the idea came from and why I tried to push it. And honestly, between you and I and everybody listening, <laughs> right. I didn't think it was ever gonna pass. I, I never really, I, I didn't write it to do that. I wrote it to get attention on the issue. And um, I always, my bigger picture, because I was a middle school teacher, was to make sure that we require time for recess in our schools, because we don't have a statutory requirement for that. And it hurts worse in the inner city schools, because we just, in middle school especially, it was complete afterthought. And my kids, I, I rebelled. I rebelled. I took my kids out for outdoor classroom, and um, I had fewer write-ups than really just about anybody because I let my kids be kids. Now I got in major trouble for that because you know, everybody's like, well, we can't all just bring our kids outside, Jacob, new teacher, what are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> I was like but I see this. I like, they can't be crammed in here and have like a lunch where they have to slam it down and then get 10 minutes to go kick a ball at each other. Right. Like that's not gonna work. So that it's, it's a process. And so when I very first got elected in 2017, I reached out to some educators and I was like, Hey guys, I want to require recess. What do I need to do? And they're like, no, it can't happen. We have too many things going on in our schools. And I was like, well, a brain break's not going to hurt anybody. And I have all the details. I have all the data. I can show you everything you need to know, but I didn't have a big enough name. So I had to keep going and going and going from 2017. Of course, the walkout, everything, that just kind of shut things down. I mean, I wasn't gonna try to do anything. But then I went back to my original love and this idea for this Play play to Learn Act is what it's actually called now. It didn't necessarily come from me. I, I put together a group of educators and a few parents and even a, a few medical uh, experts along with, uh, so I'm talking from rural, urban and uh, suburban areas mostly early childhood education, but not all the way. And then also um, uh, professors from, from some surrounding universities. And I was like, we're just gonna try to figure out what we can do to protect play in the classroom. Because that, I wanted to start with the classroom first and I knew it wasn't really gonna be a bill. Remember, I told you, I didn't right. think it was ever gonna pass. I was thinking a resolution, but let's hammer it home. Let's write it right. And so that was, oh, 2019. It was during the OU Kansas State game. I remember because Kansas State beat us. And uh, I was happy I was in a meeting of, of 30 educators rather than watching that. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's push forward. And that was the seed that grew into the, the, the play, the, uh, the, the, I call it the play to learn act because it had a couple different names. It took three years to pass. Um, it was going to pass in 2020, but COVID happened. Yeah. And so obviously it had to wait till 2021, but um I kept going. I'm a drum. I'm, I'm like a bulldog with a, with a bone. I just don't stop when I believe in something. And I did that. And so people started realizing at the Capitol, like he doesn't, he doesn't, well, he really is into play. He, he is. <laughs> and so that caught on. And then on the other side of the aisle, because if you know anything about Oklahoma, we're out of balance. It's majority Republicans, very few Democrats in the house. So you have to make sure and build relationships regardless of whatever letter you have in front of your name. And uh, it just so happened that a few very high placed Republicans really loved my idea and they put teeth into it, made it more than just a resolution. And here you have it. So um, we have these play warriors now at the Capitol, which I hope that I can get my real idea, my big, it's a bigger push because that wasn't really any kind of a mandate or requirement. My big dream is to have a requirement of 40 minutes of recess um for our public schools pre-k to eight now it's going to be a heavy 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 lift because you know middle school like i said it, it's just tough to even get anybody to think okay well how are we going to add this extra without taking away something else and all this but at least for the elementary schools i think i can get that done and and some people are like well jacob it doesn't need to be done because we already have recess but it's all over the board some right. are doing it this amount some are doing it this amount 40 minutes and you don't have to do it in a block. You can do it however you want to do it. I'm going to leave it a lot to local control, but that's the whole point about all this. And that's, it didn't really answer your question. So when it comes to parents, um, actually, uh, what they can do with this, well, I've told teachers and parents, Hey, look, the play to learn act protects play from pre-K to third grade classrooms in your classroom as a way to learn. So if an administrator or somebody comes in there and says, do not do this, you just pull up the law and you say, well, as a matter of fact, I am protected to do so. And a couple teachers have already had to do that. Um, I wanted to actually uh, mandate 
training for play-based learning yes. for our uh, administrators, but that was going to put a cost on it. And as a member of the minority party, if anything costs any money and it doesn't come from the other side, it dies in this state. So I decided not to do that. You may see me try to add that later on as, as we do have more money in the coffers now. But um, also, it's not going to be asking too much. State Department of Education already has a little team of really hardcore play believers that can go out there and start training uh, the, you don't have to do it much, just we have to have administrators understand that that playing is learning. It's not it's not wasted of time and it's not gonna lead to, to, to lower test scores or anything like that. If anything, the data shows it leads to higher test yes, scores. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> so <keep going>. Jacob, <laughs> um, when, when I first approached you about coming on here, I said, you know, I don't know how we didn't hook up more because so um, I you know I worked for Epic as a teacher for a few years um, and I'm still with Epic but not as a teacher anymore. Uh, we ran a co-op and it still exists even though I'm not teaching. We've got a teacher here out of my home uh, and so we're we're starting year twelve of this co-op and we do um, an hour forty minutes of play every day. Well, that's perfect. I know. Let's let's get that required for schools. <laughs> we do 20 minutes um, in the mid-morning, late morning. We take an hour for lunch. So, I mean, I guess yes. there's there's food in there, too. And then we do 20 minutes in the late afternoon. And, and because of the kind of flexibility with Epic, we can do that. I mean, I, I don't think an hour, 40 minutes uh, in the public school world would ever fly. But I am telling you, Jacob. I'm willing to donate my time to help you with anything you need, whether that's calling legislators, whether that's helping author anything. I'm here because I'm with you. Uh, I, in 12 years, um, so at Epic, uh, our teachers are graded. They get a, a letter grade. Um, we've got eight years of a teacher status uh, between me and the other teachers that have been here um, to show that it, it really does work. And here's the thing, it's unconstructed playtime. Um, we, we don't say, hey, go out and play tag. We don't say here, go play you know kickball. We do have things available for them, but it's unconstructed. And here's the, the beauty is, and this co-op is pre-K through senior high. We've got 10th, 11th, 12th graders that are playing tag with those second and third graders. We've got volleyball games happening across. The, I mean, these kids are just decompressing. And then they come in and, and the, the, the rule here is like, you know, we play hard when it's playtime, but we work hard when it's work time. And they come in and they are so ready to get down to business because they just got all those wiggles out. Um, and so whatever you need, I'm telling you, it, it's on me for free. Uh, I, I'm here for you, okay? And well, I am a Republican, I, I so I hope that that no, helps. Hey, you can't, you cannot make this issue partisan. You cannot do it. No. Um, one thing that was neat, whenever I started the, uh, the, uh, we tried to come up with the Play to Learn Act. Um, I decided to start a Facebook page that just, you know, I was like, hey, the 30 of y'all, please join it. Let's see if it grows. It's got like 7.6 thousand members now. And it's an area where I've invited all my legislative colleagues. I moderate it, so I make sure it stays absolutely apolitical. I mean, nothing. Even friends of mine will drop things in there, and I'm like, delete, delete, delete. Because <laughs> it cannot, this this issue cannot become partisan. Education Kids playing, party. there's no way it can be partisan. It, I know, but it, but it, but it does. Like so, like because of the world we live in right now, even just a few words. I don't know if you know this, but um, the word "social and emotional" was included in our original bill um, because, oh, whoa, Aaron, social emotional. <laughs> it's like that's how you teach, and so, but it got vilified uh, amongst all these other things that have been that, that nobody really understands. Yeah, that are getting vilified as. CRT, which you'll see me roll my eyes. I know you guys can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes hard <laughs> because we don't teach that in our public schools or really anything except for like maybe a, an elective over there in, in, in university level. But it's something that scares people and they don't understand what it is. And now SEL has gotten in there. That almost killed my bill. Um, I had to have a great Senate author, um, which was uh, Senator Pugh, who was the education chair as well to really fight for it just for those words, social emotional learning. I told him he could take him out because I was like, it doesn't really affect the bill, but because playing, that's already going to be innate. 
but he decided to fight with it and he had to add an amendment just to get that thing across the finish line and i was like really confused and i started talking to some more conservative folks about it i was like what's the deal please explain me educate me educate me and they were like well social emotional learning that's communism and i was like (laughs) what what and yeah, you kind of have to have the straight face and I don't make fun of people. I'm just trying to just get a feel for where, where they're coming from. I guess some of it is some groups around the states, around the United States may have underpinnings of some other stuff going on, but that's still not social emotional learning. That's their way of, of doing it. Um, no, I'm I hear you. I'm a little mean- bit speechless, but it has become politicized and I fight very hard for it to not become politicized because then it just, what then it becomes a political football we can't have play becoming a political football (laughs) no that's insane and and again if you need help talking to people let me know well your representative's on board he's one of the better representatives up there i've built good relationships with mark and um that's another thing i think you would be great at the capitol too but not to replace mark i think no definitely not he's really good if you want to replace a few others i have some ideas (laughs) but no mark's great no, so, and I, I accept, I'll accept your help. Here's the thing, it's gonna be tough because, um, and I can tell you all, I already already ran a version of this last year. I knew it was tough, it was election year, I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere, but I wanted to see what kind of pushback I would get for a 40 minute uh, per day recess from pre-K to eighth grade. And obviously I got massive pushback from the middle school world administrators especially um that were like there's just no way we can squeeze it in and they're probably right there's other states that have done a bill like this 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 uh this requirement for recess and um none of them were able to get middle school it was all just a requirement for elementary and that's like a mindset change that we have to get across to people and that's why i'm going to keep on trying to pass it with middle school included and if you have to change around the day just to add some play time for the kids go for it because you already do that with, with other ideas like um like boot camps for reading or pullouts or stuff like that and all this individualized stuff well guess what when you allow kids out and play and and, and just get out and get out there and be kids they there will be less or fewer um behavior issues in your classroom to where you can really teach at a high level well i know i'm preaching to the choir here but people need to hear it and no, that's I what i need you to do is to just kind of again apolitical and the fact you're republicans awesome because we're in a republican dominated state and you can mention that but like it doesn't matter we're doing this for the kids and it also again too um some of what private schools i hate the fight between public and private schools i, I absolutely hate it I know. because <laughs> private schools do some amazing things too public schools do too one of my favorite schools here is in, is in norman it's terra verde it's a discovery school i would love to see our elementary schools be more like a discovery school but honestly, and and Aaron, this is one of the biggest issues I have with with some public schools. Well, public the system is that we add too much things on. We have too many too much red tape. The government's in there. I sound like I sound. Oh my gosh, I sound like a libertarian. But I mean, it's like all these different m- mandates, some of which are unfunded, that these teachers have to do. Otherwise, they're in trouble, or their districts are in trouble. And yes. you know how how it goes. The trouble moves downwards. So, and again, too, the, the A to F scales that we have for our schools that are based on still, still based on tests or arbitrary things like attendance. Like, what are you, what are we doing? Right. That, that's called corporate reform education. Yes. And it has to end yes. as soon as humanly possible. But um, don't get labeled an ed reformer. You gotta be careful, like, cause because then then your people are gonna come after you. Like, what are you doing, too? It's already happened. But I mean, <laughs> funny thing with Epic, and we we're not gonna get too deep into that. No. But you want to talk about it getting vilified? I I support all teachers in all education forms. I know why Epic grew because there was a need for it. There's there's some kids that can learn real well outside of a classroom, and I think the we're not gonna go into why or how or anything, but. Sure. So I understood that, but then once it got kind of toxic, I was just like, oh my gosh. And at very first I came out against it because I didn't like some of how Epic was kind of aiming at our brick and mortar schools instead of working together, Right. which I think that's changing now. Right. But um, because again, it, it, it should be symbiotic. Like, oh, here, this kid doesn't work very well in the classroom. Boom, here you go. But the biggest issue I think really is what's causing the issues is the fact that we're still not fully funding our public schools. And when you have that, then every little bit becomes like, you know, 
very important. So if you lose a kid out of a classroom, they go to Epic or wherever else, you're like, that you're defunding. And we've got to start figuring that out too. I and, agree. and seeing if we can get on the same page on that. Until that happens, there's gonna be this just not, I, I love when people I love balance and I love when people work together. And until we have a way to do that, then it's just going to get ugly like this. And I hope that it stops. And I'm going to try very hard to make sure that we talk about that. But you're right. The word reform, it's been taken over. It's been taken over by people who don't enjoy public schools no. at all. <laughs> no. Like when you're an education reformer, you're trying to destroy everything, the system as it is, which again, I want to make some changes. I do not want to shutter our public schools. Right. I want our public schools to be the best and coolest and awesome and the best everything and i want everybody to work well together and i'd love to see community schools grow just got wow (laughs) (laughs) well back to play i was so a few years back we did a summer school um not that it was like required but i thought you know these kids are having so much fun let's go ahead and keep them over the summer one one day a week uh coming together and all we're gonna do is play board games and and outside too but we did monopoly we did life we did yahtzee we did um gen rummy poker blackjack uh all these games that um have actual standards that you can tie to them they didn't know that but Talk to me about like some of the executive function skills that come from play-based learning. Oh my gosh, yeah, think about it. I mean, first of all, you're talking about uh, a type of learning that's gonna use all sides of your brain. Now, I am not an expert, so I'm not gonna use the word executive functions or whatever. I'm I'm very much a guy who just really wants kids to have fun and learn. That's that's where the basic level come from. And, um, but just, Think, think about it. It's actually the most rigorous way for children to learn rather than being passive and sitting there and poking around on a computer because technology is really out of balance right now and some other things. You're actually using parts of your brain that you may not ever use because right when you get home too, all, all children these days, even pre-K, mm. some some have phones. And so then you have a tiny computer in your face. And, and, and so you're not doing the things that actually most children need whenever they're growing up, which is getting out and just using those parts of your brain. But also let's think about this. Leadership comes from that. Um, It may be ugly on a recess field or out there, but you know what? Kids are learning just like the animal world they learn. You see what I'm saying? Like they're learning how to handle themselves, how to handle their anger, how to handle um, other people who are different than them or whatever else. That's so important for every child to learn because if you're just learning in a little bubble, then that's the way you're gonna be as an adult too. And that's not what we want. So you're talking about so much can change for the better by just having a time for children to get out an adequate time because CDC says 40 minutes per day. Um, and heck, I'd love to do an hour and a half. Trust me. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll <laughs> like, get there. Okay. I'm, I'm a Finland education guy. So I'm talking like, I'd like to see a 15 minute break every hour, which would be just amazing. Now, some people are like, okay, but now you need things for kids to play with. That's not true. Nope. You just let them out. Now the cell phone situation, I can't do anything about that. That's going to be a local control deal. But kids are probably going to want to get their, on their cell phones during recess. Again, I don't know how to go over. Maybe you have some ideas. I don't know how to do that because I cannot require a law to say you cannot be on your cell phone. I am not trying to be a dictator. Right. <laughs> like, you know, but at the same time, you do need to get off your phone. You do need to get out there and like even just talk to people, talk to other kids. Think about all the good things that could come out of this. Now, it would be ugly at first for getting more time because kids wouldn't even know what to do. They'd yeah. be like. What do sure. I do? I'm going to go hang on the wall. But after a while, especially when the weather gets well, gets better, you'll be like, that looks fun. I'm going to go try that or whatever else. It's just there's really no negatives at all to make sure that kids have enough time to play in the school day, especially as standardized and really just how focused we've gotten on all these state tests. It's like it's almost now more important than ever to make sure that kids are getting out there and playing. And it's only good for everything that, that that's important. We talked about, um, you know, executive function skills, but also <laughs> think about this. 
think about all the the physical uh, uh attrib- the physical uh, health that they're gonna get that's just from getting out of their seats and and also mental health boy mental health especially after covid you know every all the mental health uh, issues that children are seeing here that some of us never foresaw that can be fixed by simply getting outside and getting some vitamin D serotonin and yep (laughs) indeed like the fact i have a battle here and i don't have much of a battle people do agree with me a lot it's just there's a lot of people in this state that are like well i I don't want a requirement for that i want to be able to choose i get that that's why i'm looking for balance i almost just want to just be like here's the time frame y'all figure it out but i am going to require that amount of time um, I think maybe the last bill that I ran, which was called, uh, it had a different name. Um, it was called the, uh, oh my gosh, I don't even remember the name. So it was a bad name, but anyway, it was house bill, uh, three Oh four seven. Okay. And it didn't even get a hearing. That's why you don't hear much about it. Again. I just was kind of throwing it out there. Wanted to see what kind of pushback I'd get, but it did have probably a little bit too much going on. I did prevent in the bill, um, the taking away of recess as a punishment, I got big time pushback for that. And I understand why, because teachers sometimes are like, well, you're now you're leaving me with no, no, you know, <laughs> how do we, how do we get kids to, to behave? I don't believe that's the way to do it, but I don't think I can put that in the bill either. So right. what's, what's your take on that? I kind of was curious about that. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of taking it away um, because they've got to get out there. Um, there's, a lot of times those kids need it the, the that's most. Exactly so. right. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. And that's the part where uh, because we don't have the same kind of teacher's union, I know that that's, sorry, I'm not trying to, um, but because of the, some of those things like, I can move a kiddo to the corner and um, face the wall and do school there. And my families know that that's what's going to come. Um, I, I know that this is this is probably going to become like one of those hashtag viral um, sayings, but like we enforce push-ups in my house. Um, I know, I sorry, um, but like you don't close the door on time. You talk coarsely to somebody you um you know push back with me there are push-ups and so um i people will judge me like crazy for that but it works um and then we've had a kid no i don't think people will judge you there's there's more people that you believe that believe that we need better disciplinary procedures however I do want to say one thing that has nothing to do with the unions Our, our it has more to do with the fact that there's just been a changing of the ideas of how to, uh, you know, discipline. So, um, it, it just is one of those things. I mean, seriously, if I was, I think my kids when they were younger, but only for a purpose, never to harm them. I was right. like, if they were doing something crazy, I wanted it to be shocking to where I'd never have to do it again. And that's exactly how it worked. Um, when we haven't given out push-ups. I went to Catholic school and I still remember sister. Yeah. I still remember sister George Antoinette and sister Marie Renee, who would spank the holy living everything out of us. If we went, you know, the wrong way, even all the way up to eighth grade. So, I mean, it's just a different world. Those are things. I mean, I've had people that asked me to write a bill to get rid of corporal punishment. I chose not to do that because I'm just like, well, again, local Local control. control. I do try to find a balance. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the idea that you can do that, but you're right. It can't happen in a normal public school, those things. Yeah. Um, but that's that's where it comes down to making sure that the teachers have plenty of tools in the toolbox, which is the reason why I'm not going to make a bill that says you got to take away, uh, that you cannot take away a recess as a punishment. Because what what else? I don't know. No, but it Some would be nice. Some kids have to be punished. I mean, that they don't, they don't reply. I mean, they don't, re- um, not reply. They don't react Respond. to really anything else. Now, don't get me wrong. My quote unquote bad kids when I was a teacher, they were some of the best kids that I could have possibly had. They just needed the time for me to unlock whatever it was that they cared about or what was holding them back. They're in the issue for So you could possibly, you could imagine that it was just chaos. And there was no time where I could actually just be like, Hey, what's, what makes you tick until I finally figured it out, you know, especially that was me as a first year teacher. Oh my goodness, just chaos. But as you learn and you get better at classroom management, then you can have, you know, these conversations, you can figure things out. But 
there's so many ideas that I have to actually enforce better classroom management and we're still defunding our schools. I like know. one of them, I had a learning coach whenever I was, thank, thank goodness I did. I was an alternately certified teacher who had all the passion in the world, but couldn't manage a classroom if I tried at my first year. And so I had to have these folks come in and, and, and help me out. And it just so happened, I got a really good coach and she helped me figure things out. And I got better and better and better. And I had better coaches while well, they cut that program in Oklahoma City Public Schools. I was like, but we have so many new teachers. Right. We're the ones with the emergency certified teachers. Right. <laughs> I couldn't believe they cut it. And they cut it around the state too. Well, that's one thing when you say, okay, well, let's fund our public schools, right? Well, there's one thing you can have. Um, also, hey, we're talking about play build some cool stuff out there if you had better funding, right? I mean, that is the big argument that there's just blacktops in the inner city. And I've had that pushback for that. Again, you don't have to have something. You just let kids out. That's the key. That's just let them out, have fun. But again, we are breaking down the size of these, the, the kids that are packed into these schools too. Right. It's just a lot. Yeah. So as you look at what's going on here, there's there's ways to figure things out. I mean, I love the idea of, of investing in um, school gardens. I love the idea of investing in um, anything that can calm down a child, like like a like a Zen room or something like that. Uh, some private schools do that, and I love that. So why don't we bring that to our public schools as well? Anything like that 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 can get these kids back on track. And if you really do want to see a better student achievement, then start listening to early childhood education experts. Yes. <laughs> That's what they're saying. They're like, let the kids out, let the kids play. And then also make sure that they understand when they are, what they are doing. Like say you're a, you're a teacher on, on recess duty. Don't just like say, no, don't do that. Be like, okay, here's why you don't do that. And then they can learn from that as well. And then, you know, I know I'm an idealist, but that's kind of what I like to see. Oh my so. gosh. I saw on TikTok, um, this gal, and I'll have to find her so that I can link her in so that everybody can see her. But, um, she was talking about, Okay, class, today we're going to talk about the appropriate ways to say, I don't want to be your friend. And and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, because there are kids who are like, I, I don't want to play with you, you know, but there's an appropriate way to say that and an inappropriate way to say that. And so kind of the same thing, like with teachers, like here's an appropriate way to say, don't do that. Or, you know, um, <laughs> how can you change it to an I can statement versus a, you know, no, no, no. Well, and a lot of teachers are extremely skilled. Uh, I mean, I've seen magic happen in some of these classrooms, but we are in a world now too, where we have, oh my gosh, record numbers of emergency certified oh teachers gosh. in classrooms, even in early childhood education classrooms, which I never would have thought I'd see. And uh, we can talk about the reasons for that. That's not part of this deal, but <laughs> we can fix that. that these, are, these are fixable things that can be done better. Um, as long as we'll start just thinking outside the box and not thinking about how we're going to get these kids to pass the next test. Man you know? alive. Yes. Okay. We'll have you on the show and we'll talk about everything. Maybe like just uh, <laughs> once a month. We'll just like 12 topics. We'll we'll bring them up and we'll solve the world's problems. Okay, Jacob? I'm telling you, it can be done. And people then, <laughs> some people think I'm a pipe, you know, I'm building a pipe dream. I can't do it. But I was like, listen. Believe it or not, Finland, I know it's a country, I know it's homogenized, I know it's different than, than the United States. So maybe Finland education doesn't work in this United States. It can work in Oklahoma because we're a little more homogenized than you think. We're pretty, we're decently diverse, but let's be honest, not super. And and that not that that would matter anyway, because we can do these things as long as we, first of all, I'm gonna sound like a libertarian again, but we need to get rid of the uh, the federal testing mandates, put it back to the states, which they already have done, but people don't seem to understand that. And then have state leaders like myself and others and whoever the next superintendent of public instruction is, realize, hey, we're going the wrong direction. Let's listen to the teachers. Let's see what they need. Let's give them what they need. And then let's make sure we go forward. Also, let's make sure that we um, stop stop the villainization of, of other ways of, of teaching and, uh, and education. Again, I'm just a big believer in just everybody working together. And if you have good ideas here, let's bring them here. If you have good ideas there, let's bring them there. One thing we don't need is more red tape. Right. Well, that's just, we don't need it. Right. And we also don't need to be defunding our schools by passing some kind of awful voucher bill with zero, I mean, 
zero um, oversight. Right. Those are tax dollars. They're just going out the door. You don't know where they're going. And let's just hope that they got spent the right way. Arizona has passed a huge bill to do that. And I know Oklahoma is trying very hard to pass their own. And right now I'm on the front lines of that. I fully expect to get mm, 100,000 or so worth of dark money mailers against me backed by those folks. That's what I feel. Now, if it doesn't happen, then I was wrong and I'm happy. But um, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to getting pretty slammed out here in my my elections. So it's, it's interesting. Well, we so I know that um, we have our own internal system for something like that. But we are definitely in the same boat. We do not agree with the voucher program uh, just because no. it, it's only going to remove funds from public schools. Yeah. So. yeah, fully fund our public schools based on per pupil average, especially regional, and then come talk to me about diverting some some of that money yes. to to a private school. Yeah. But also, let's be honest, private for a reason. They're private for a reason. They may do some awesome things, but they're private for a reason, and they right. probably want to remain private. My thing is, hey, you want to take any state money? Here's some of the fun red tape that we have to deal with here, which then, guess what? Your private school now is a public school. Right. <laughs> so Not what for- is the argument? They want their cake and eat it too. And I, could I don't be like for that. it. And so yeah, yeah no, not a big fan. But also, I do want to make sure that folks understand that here in Oklahoma, charter schools are public schools. There's a lot of miscommunication there. Epic is a charter school. Epic is a public school. People get mixed up all the time. Now, some of it was due to, I would say, back in the day, a little bit of advertising weirdness, because, I mean, I hate to say it, people started connecting Epic because of some of the friends that Epic had. I, I don't know how to explain it better than that. No, I totally understand. It is what it is. And I know there's a new page turning. I just talked to the um, to, to Superintendent Banfield not too long ago, trying to figure out a way forward. My goodness, that's really just all I want. I just want everybody to hold hands and be like, let's go forward for our kids. <laughs> but it's like really, really hard to do that. But that's my dream. And then again, I want everything to be play-based. I do. And it's so funny when I run into folks that are like businessy folks. I'm like, but you want this too. Trust me, because this is going to lead to all these soft skills, executive function, like you were saying, and how to work in a freaking group and all these other things yes. that kids don't, aren't really good at. Yes. Giving eye contact, being social. Those things hardly happen anymore. My goodness. And so I'm like a 44-year-old guy who's like the last of, of, a, of an age or something like that. Because you go further and people start kind of just getting stuck in their phones or we're all texting, which I can text like the wind too, but I can still talk to people and have these conversations and look you in the eye, shake your hand. And those are becoming kind of rare as you keep going. And so I look at this almost seriously as a conservative idea of really saving our schools, just going back to our basics, going back to our roots which is hands-on, play-based learning the way that we did for years and years and years um, before No Child Left Behind came around, before that, that, that mandate of we've got to test, 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 test for accountability sakes. It shuts down everything. It hurts you guys too, trust me. Oh, you I got, know. You guys get the test and you're just like, man, okay, I know I taught this standard. I know I taught this, but honestly, if a kid can't read at a real high level, guess what? They're probably going to fail that test anyway. And I'm talking about the English language arts ones. Math's a totally different animal. I would fail that right now as well. (laughs) Well, and we just did a dyslexia episode, but like my kiddo is twice exceptional. She's gifted and talented and dyslexic. And so her test scores are always in the tank. But you, she's got her own podcast that's being listened to nationally, and and she can go and make a presentation and has presented to four hundred people. You know, uh, these are these are things that I think we we can find a way. There's got to be a menu board of of options to test these kiddos if we're going to still test. There has to One be another way. One of my ideas, way. and I talked to this, it's something that's growing, and I know it's kind of goes against the hands-on play-based part, but. There are some states that are playing with the idea of gamification Mm -hmm. um, because you can get so much out of playing a game when it comes to assessment. You really can't. And I know that it would just take point now if people could be like, okay, so you want kids to play video games for testing? (laughs) No, 
know, but yes! Jacob. Because if you create the game the way it needs to be created, you can get so much out of these kids and they won't even know they were just as being assessed. Okay, my kiddo and Roblox is not tied to standard. It is not a, an educational play. But I'm my, when, I think it was like last summer, um, my kiddo's sitting on the couch. She's watching TV with YouTube on there, watching a, a father and, and daughter play Roblox. She's got a friend on her iPad who is FaceTiming her, and then she's playing on her computer. And and I hear her tell her friend on the iPad, she's like, oh no, you need them to throw in a bat dragon and a giraffe to make that a, a fair trade. And she's like a commodities dealer on freaking <laughs> Roblox. And I'm thinking... This kid is watching to learn, she's playing and consulting at the same time and she knows the values of everything. That's not on a test, but she's gonna be a day trader someday. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like or whatever. That yes. kind of brain synapses, I swear. Now that's one thing we don't talk enough about. I, I do think that some of this video game stuff, it's so much. I can't even play Roblox. I can't even play uh Minecraft because my kids and they were when they were younger even were so much better than me yes. because their brain synapses were like Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, how did you even build that? And yeah. he's like, oh no. I was like, wow. And so think about that, a Minecraft uh, assessment. It can be done. It can be done. Instead of this almost uh, uh, police state that you feel whenever the testing's happening right now, where, oh my gosh, it's like the, the everybody's just in up in arms and they're just like kind of feeling weird. And they're like, the mental health issues are starting to show out because some of these kids are, are just fearful of being able to pass a test or whatever, but also it goes to the teachers too. They're, they're, you know, some of this still, the tests have been decoupled for the most part for, for some of their evaluations. But let's be honest, if you still get low test scores, you're still going to get judged by somebody. Right. And that has, that has to end. Well, but neither now, of my kids will ever show up as doing good on a test. But yeah. I, I, as a parent and as an educator, am okay because I know them as people and where they're at, you know? Well, teachers know their kids too. Yes, I, did. I agree. I swear. I was able to, I, I tested, I taught in a tested subject and I taught in a non-tested subject. So I had a con compare contact, contrast. And um, so it was sixth grade geography, which was untested. Seventh grade geography, which was tested back in the day. Back in the day. I worked very hard to get rid of that test out of that, which successfully, um, before I even became a legislator. And then, um, <laughs> so what happened though, I was able, again, I told you how important reading is. I, I was able to handicap. I knew who was going to pass my test, my geography test, and who wasn't by the level of how they could read. And I was almost right on. Mm -hmm. I did it myself. I didn't do it. There's no scientific thing. I was just like, in my brain, I was like, okay, I bet you they're going to score this for this. And I was almost right on. Teachers know their kids. Now, we have a huge issue, though. We have so many unqualified teachers now in our classroom because of the shortage, because of really ignoring what teachers need and want that a lot of these these qualified teachers, they just took off. They yeah. either went to different states, they got out of the, the profession. They're doing something for a heck of a lot more money and probably a lot more thanks. Um, we can fix that though, because you just gotta talk to them. Be like, what caused you to leave? What can we do better? And then let's move to action. And I guarantee you part of that's gonna be Let's let kids out and be kids. Let's let me out with them so I can see them interact because that's teaching too. That's learning too. I swear to you, if you do that, but right now there are some folks, some teachers especially that just feel like it's almost too much. And the fact that if you feel like just getting out and playing is too much, you got to look at the other pressures, whatever else it is that's that's holding you back from wanting to just get out there and 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 be free and just be a teacher and watch your kids be kids. That's what we got to start digging in on. And it's hard because right now the reform movement, the corporate reform movement, that's a business reform movement. And these folks, well-meaning, I believe, think that if you are make the standards really rigorous and you have these hardcore tests that these kids will rise above and then be great workers for whatever corporation. It's the exact, that's a great goal. They do not know what they're talking no. about, how to get there no. at all. I agree. I, I I love joy to death. And she and I have worked together. I sat on her task force like 
I love her to death. Um, but when we went from the 47th worst standards in the nation to the 17th worst standards in the nation, I mean, we looked like dum-dums for a while. We still haven't caught up to that. Then COVID happened on top of that. Like, it's, we're in a hole right now that um, standards alone cannot cannot touch this is gonna sound like a crazy person and every time i bring it up people are like you're a crazy person i want to de-standardize our schools i want to have a nice roadmap so you know what you're not just going off you, you know like especially at very first we kind of did past standards were that way yeah they weren't real hardcore it was like hey don't forget to teach this this and this but you can also go this route it didn't tell you how it just told you what right and then you came up with the how now that's kind of the way it is these days, but our standards are so darn rigorous that a lot of kids and a lot of students or uh, uh, teachers can't really break it down. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, some teachers love the standards, they do. It's like, oh, okay, I have a roadmap, here we go. And like blueprints or whatever, but I sure wasn't one of those teachers. I can't think and like that. <laughs> I, uh -uh, no, I couldn't think, I, I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I seriously was like, guys, is there any way I could teach in an untested subject? Because <laughs> This is awful. I felt like a bird whose wings got cut, you know, who got snipped or whatever. And yeah. I was just like, I can't teach in this in this uh, environment. And it, I'm not going to lie, Aaron, one of the main reasons why I decided to run for office was because, A, it was because my senator was pushing vouchers. But B, it was because I was like, wow, I need to get this voice at a higher level so we can start really changing things for the better. And it won't cost as much money as everybody thinks it will, yeah. because honestly, if you start looking at education a different way, then naturally I see um, investments occurring from even the communities or everywhere else that they're gonna be like, hey, oh, oh, we're out, we're outdoors more? Well, let's invest in this for that outdoors area. Let's have this big area. Let's put a big toy here. Let's have a big fundraiser and you can put that thing here, whatever it is, but we have to take a look at what we're doing wrong and then fix it. <laughs> it's like not even rocket science. It's just, you can't just keep going forward. And I agree with you about Joy. Um, we have had our issues. I will say I'm very looking forward to her as a governor, not because she's a Democrat now. I'm looking forward because I know she's going to surround herself with great people. She always has. And because I know she knows how to work with other folks. Now, I'm not trying to say, let's not make this political. I'm just saying I know that's that's how she is. Right. But we've always gone back and forth with the tests and the A to F scale always because she's got a little bit of that corporate reform in her and that's okay that's a that was a very popular very very popular business oriented way of teaching our schools and it, you're going to still still talk to anybody from a chamber from anywhere in the united states they're going to still think that's the way to do it even though oh my gosh everything is pointing to the fact that this is a failed way to teach our kids yeah straight up yeah uh, so. Jacob, I feel like you and I could talk forever, honestly, um, and um, and we should we should do this again. But yeah. that is all the time I have for this week. So tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.